Kuluman, Kuluman is Lady Smith, Black Mambazo. Interesting song choice. Tell us more about that. Ms. Mbalinduli, KZN member of the provincial legislature and presidential candidate for the party Democratic Alliance. Of course, for those who are interested, why Mbalinduli? Of course, it's hashtag Tuesday Takeover. That's the guest for this evening. Bali, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Good evening, and thank you so much for having me, Thomas. Lady Smith Beck Mambazo, song choice, interesting thoughts? Not really. I mean, I'm from KZN. We're very proud of them. And obviously, as you know, that's what I grew up listening to. My father, my uncles would all be playing it. Fatamia is something that we're very proud of from KZN, which is a unique side or sound mm. that they really were able to get international recognition for. So, I hold it dear, and I always try to represent my province. Fantastic. Tell us more about Mbalinduli from home, the young lady from KwaZulu-Natal, the stuff that obviously doesn't meet the public profile, but is just an interesting <laughs> aspect about who you are, because essentially we need to get to know our leaders and their reference points. What makes Mbali tick? Where is she from? Who is she? Well, like I say, Mbali from KZN, Zulu, um, and I find that something that people are always really uh, astonished by or shocked by uh, when they speak to me is how, um, whilst liberal and progressive in many ways, I'm also somebody who really gives a lot of um, recognition to my ancestors and the people that came before me. I still perform a lot of the African traditional rights that come with being Umzulu. Um, and, you know, people are always really astonished by that because I think they assume whether from my political party or decide the way that sometimes I come across that that wouldn't be a big part of me, but it is a very big part of me and I love Kensington very much and it's uh, um, something that I try to take everywhere. Um, but you know, Mbali's also a mom to a 15, 16 months to my actually uh, daughter um, and it's somebody that just deeply cares about her country and is trying to figure it out like everybody else. Interesting. And of course, Mbali, of all these things that she is, she could quite conceivably be the leader of the official opposition. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Early life in education, head girl, Wycombe Collegiate in Peter Maritzburg, Bisok Sai. I didn't know you were a rodent. Good gracious me. Why would you be a rodent of all things you could potentially be? For those of you who don't know what a rodent is, a rodent is anybody who went to Rhodes University, Grahamstown, 2011. We are speaking to our guest this evening, Ms. Mbalin Tuli, who is a member of the provincial legislature in KwaZulu-Natal, presidential candidate of the Democratic Alliance. As we've had before her, Mkulego Tlengwa, we've also had before her, Naledi Chirwa, Tessa Dooms. We didn't have anybody last week. Of course, now we do have Mbalin Tuli. Tuesday takeover. She will be in a short while from now heading up the conversations to take us through until 21.30. But do we explain why you would have skipped so many wonderful universities, including Fort Hare in the Eastern Cape, to land up at Rhodes? Rhodes was the obvious choice for me. I went to, you know, the, the Midlands or the Oxford of the Midlands um, in terms of schools. I went to Wickham and I thought, you know, everyone else was going to UCT and Stellenbosch and everywhere else that I wanted to go somewhere where I would be able to completely restart. But also, quite frankly, I'd like the fact that it looked like Hogwarts. 
um, and I was in a deep Harry Potter phase of that stage of my life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What an interesting decision to go to a university. When did Umbali become politically aware, alive, and when did she start harboring the ambitions that now potentially could have come true or are yet unfolding that perhaps she might want to cut her teeth in the political landscape of this country? For me, honestly, I started school in 1994. And what I distinctly remember about that time was this incredible euphoria about what democracy was, what was happening in our country. Um, It coincided the year after that that I met um, Queen Elizabeth when she came here for her first tour. Um, and we really got a sense of what politics was and could be. And this is over and above already the conversations that were happening at home. And I suppose to some degree, something really must have stuck with me then because I, I geared myself for the rest of my life to get into some sort of public service, whether it was going to be in civil society or in politics. But I knew that I wanted to be involved in helping people and I knew I wanted to be involved in trying to bring back uh, that euphoric sort of feeling and I haven't really felt it much thereafter, but I remember it very, very well. And I remember my grandmother and uh, my uncles and aunts and what that moment meant for them. And I want to be part of the generation, I think, that brings that back to South Africa because we haven't attained all the things that we thought we would in 1994. I don't think it's too late, but I do think that time is fast um, fleeting in terms of being on our side. And so I want to be part of the people that bring that change about South Africa so that we really have some lasting freedom um, that people can definitely use because that's not what I see on the day-to-day basis of the interactions that I have with ordinary South Africans. Uh, that's, that's really why I'm in this um, journey, really. 2015, Ms. Mbalinduli, 891 Please do give us a call. WhatsApp voice notes, 614 Let's engage some of our leaders. I'm especially interested in where the rodents are who are at school with you. I'm especially interested <laughs> in the Young Democratic Alliance members of the party who might want to engage with you and get a sense as to who you are and what vision you hold potentially for the party and its leadership. I'm interested in the people of KwaZulu-Natal who have felt your presence and inspiration. Please do give us a call on 891 as we engage our guest this evening, Ms. Mbalin Duli, on hashtag Tuesday Takeover. In a nutshell, what you've just said now, is it essentially correct for me to then deduce you feel as though there has not been any political inspiration in this country, well, since 94, what, 26 years? Is that, is that what you say? <laughs> Look, I mean, nobody's going to go up against Mandela's legacy and say that he doesn't have, uh, you know, huge political inspiration for many people. But I think that we have also evolved into a stage of our politics where we need more than the big statesmen or, you know, sort of the way the political parties and the state operates as it is. And I think in particular that my generation can be part of changing the narrative, changing the way that we see politics, the way that we see politicians. I don't want to be like half the people that I see sitting on the parliamentary benches. Um, And currently the system is not built for people who don't want to... Um, act in a way that is pretty much cookie-cutter, as it were. I think that we definitely are entering into uh, a time where we need politics to be a lot more kind, a lot more fair. I think women politicians and women leaders in particular are really needing the force of this um, that we're seeing in the world at the moment. It's younger people who are doing this, um, and it's people that I think get a sense of the gravity of the situation that some generations have put us in, whether we're talking about climate change or whether we're talking about 
you know, sort of unchecked capitalism that has brought our world to its knees. I think that we need to just start doing our politics differently. And I'm not seeing that in South Africa we are really having political parties or leaders that are trying to drive that narrative. I think very much people of a particular age, I'm just going to throw a number out there, over 45 seem to be really happy with the status quo and the way that things are. And that's not good for me or my generation because the way that things work right now isn't in our interest. Mm. Um, And instead, what we have in South Africa, instead of confronting some of these issues, is we continue to have a situation where we deal with issues that definitely are at the forefront, but we don't put solutions to what we think needs to happen. And we have this really slow grinding uh, bureaucracy and machinery that isn't getting us anywhere. And I'm irritated. I'm angry, actually. And I think a lot of people my age are angry. They're sitting at home. They're watching their parents go to work every day. They probably have graduated, but they can't get jobs. It's an unsustainable situation, and it's not going to change if we're just going to hope that people are going to hand over power to us and hand over the rounds of leadership to us. I think it must be taken. And so that's what I'm agitating for. It certainly is a conversation starter, what you've alluded to in relation to the political structure and the election processes, perhaps, in terms of how they've for so long been adopted in our democracy. I'm interested then on that basis in your thoughts from what the Constitutional Court's latest ruling in relation to the Electoral Act, what are your thoughts around that? What are you hoping to see happen, especially in relation Mm. to how our leaders relate to their constituency? I do know, and please do expect, there's a certain gentleman in Newlands, Cape Town, his name is Mike, he's a proud DA member, and he's got lots to say in relation to that. I'm throwing down the gauntlet to you there, Mike, 891 What are your thoughts, Mbali? Honestly, I think, I mean, obviously the Constitutional Court has sort of left the ball a little bit in Parliament. um, Court in terms of how the reform would happen, but I really hope that we're going to see a, a rise of independent candidates that can really erase the the dogma and the stagnation that we have in our parliament. And in America, for example, there are things like Emily's List, which are basically organizations that help women. I hope things like that rise up in time. Like it doesn't have to be women, it could be civil society activists, it could be business people, whoever, the people that ordinarily would not be able to withstand the party political system, but have something to contribute to the system. And I personally feel that that will be great. It will be great because it will create competition um, in the political parties. We will have direct um, leadership for constituencies. Um, and I think that even if you got 30 of them in, that would be a powerful pact of people that could agitate and fight for things in South Africa that we just aren't sharing about right now. We completely are not having enough conversations at our parliamentary level. Instead, we just have political parties shouting at each other. And I think all New South Africans don't even feel like they're really or truly represented um, in our parliament. So I'm, I'm all for the independent um, candidates. And I'm hoping that political parties, when they sit down and discuss the reform um, and how it's going to happen, are going to do so in the best interest of South Africans and not just um, our political parties. Certainly within my political party, when this conversation comes up, that is what I'm going to put forward. And if it means that we lose a couple of seats and a couple of votes, then so be it. Because the whole point is that we're trying to build a bigger picture and something that really is going to be for all South Africans and not just a few. That's why in May 2011, Nduli was named one of South Africa's 200 young people to watch by the Mail and Guardian in their annual supplement. 
She's also been top 40 power woman by Destiny magazine 2013, named as a trustee of the Center for Rehabilitation of Wildlife, will engage her passion for animals, their nature and conservation. Of course, in the same year, 2013, International Visitors Leadership Program in the United States, hosted by the U.S. Department of Educational and Cultural Affairs. Tell us about that experience, because it does have a very luminous well, it has a list of luminaries, shall I say, who in the political space certainly are heavyweights. Could that be where in a few years from now we might be referring to you as a head of state or former head of state? <laughs> um, I certainly hope so, but probably in a, at least a, a few decades. Um, well, not a few decades, maybe a decade. Um, I think there's still a lot of work for myself to do um, in terms of my own personal growth. But, I mean, last year I was named one of the young politicians of the world um, and I've also been on Obama's project. So I think that, you know, that those have been great experiences that have really helped to shape my understanding, not just of the African context, but Africa and the world. And this is why I say it's exciting for me to see the way that everything is changing. And I don't want South Africa to be left behind in, you know, the past and the way that we've done things. So I hope that if not me, certainly people that I can help to get to that level will be the ones who will be the heads of state that can take us forward. Um, I look forward to it, but I'm also not uh, so naive that I think it will happen to me specifically. Um, I don't mind being part of somebody else's journey to uh, realize that ambition and to get South Africa on track. I understand one of our favorite listeners who sometimes comes in as a guest in the short insurance space in particular, Ndate Sekhubela Tobakhale, does want to call, but he's forgotten the number, 891-104. 207. I have all of about eight minutes left with um, Balinduli before she takes over, and she's going to tell us in a minute from now who her guests are and what conversations she shall be having with them. A couple of comments from me and a couple of questions from you, hopefully, just to take us through to about 2030. Please do give us a call now. Don't wait until later because the show does have to go on. Well, you've cut your teeth purely in the Democratic Alliance. 2008, DA Young Leaders Program, you enrolled. Youth Chairperson in KZN, 2008. Chairperson of the Federal Youth 2010, 2011, community, um, sorry, counselor for the Inanda community, Tekuini Municipality, again 2013, youth leader at a federal level, elected to the KZN legislature 2014, DA's provincial campaign director 2018, spokesperson for cooperative governance and traditional affairs, and now you want everything in the DA. You want to lead the party. Tell us about your experiences in your party and your growth trajectory and your aspirations for when you become potentially the DA federal leader. So, I mean, I've been in the party for 12 years, and as you've just recounted, at every single level, whether it's been an activist who started youth branches or uh, university branches, to being a counselor, a youth leader nationally, and chair, um, and now I'm a second-term MPL. And as I say, I, I really believe that my party is at a crossroads, where we have to make a decision between being a party that is seen to continuously speak for a few people, um, and really sometimes in some lagers where we're not reaching out to people or potentially taking the direction of trying to attract people that have never voted for us before and trying to show that we are a party where all South Africans belong. And I don't think that that is difficult, and I think many people in my party would agree with that, but I think that we have lost our way sometimes by the nature of the leadership that has taken hold or by some of the ways that we and may seem to not have the right messaging to really communicate with people 
to their hearts rather than to their minds. And I think a big issue that we've had in the DA is that we throw a lot of facts at people about how fantastic you are, but we don't take them along the journey with us. And we believe that, you know, facts will be enough to sway people when, you know, psychologically you should know that isn't true. And I really want to take this opportunity as I run for leader to show how amazing some people in the DA are and how much they work um, and how much more we could do if we could get the support of people. But that's never going to happen if we have leadership that isn't attuned to that, isn't attuned to the realities of what our country has come through. Um, and that particularly speaks to issues of redress. And that's what I want to put on the table is, where are we as a democratic alliance when it comes to issues of redress and what we believe needs to happen to facilitate change now and not talk about things like, you know, we hope the education system at some stage will bring people together or we hope some sort of trickle economics will get to people. That's not what people in my generation want to hear. It's not what anyone in South Africa can can afford to, you know, wait for. Um, And I really want to have this conversation to be had so that we can have a way forward because otherwise... We're going to be sent to the history books as a party that once could have been great, but you know, sort of stuck at twenty percent. Don't you think your social media younger. policy needs to change? In in in, in a I've way, I've never supported the social media policy. Okay, I think I've been said. very, I've been very uh, vocal about that since twenty fourteen. Let's take a couple of calls. I didn't want you to mention any names because this is more about you than anybody else. Stempis or Peter Maritzburg, one Willem or William in the Free State, number two. KGM, somewhere in the country. Santon, wow, he's getting closer. Number three, Stempis or William, KGM. Good evening. Good evening, Kung. How are you doing? Well, Good evening, Bali. How are you? Hi. Fine, brother. Mm, thoughts, please. Um, okay, Bali, I'm an exile baby, and we, as, an ex- as a kid, we are taught... But the ANC at a young age, there's a there's an organization, there's a person. So you guys, as the DA, always say the ANC. It's not the ANC that's corrupt. It's the people that are corrupt. So what ideologies? As a, as you, you, the DA doesn't speak to black young people. They don't. They they speak to the privilege of us who go to Model C schools. They don't speak to a, a person who lives they don't speak to them. They speak to the privilege. How are you going to change that mentality for people to believe in the DA and take us and because I know the DA as a, the DA is part of the National Party. And the National Party has did, did a lot of bad things. So and you have to have that ideology in your mind that why must I vote for a party? that caused a lot of heartache in other people's families. Fantastic. Let's leave it there, please, Tembi. So I've got a lot of calls to come through this evening. William Freestate, your thoughts, please, briefly as possible. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Songezo. Uh, my, my first question is... Uh, um, yes, ask it. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. My, my first question is that... Uh, um, last, last week, uh, uh, you're the leader of the party... Jenison declined to comment on uh, the comments of, uh, that were made by uh, Helen Zile. What is her, can, can she, uh, can she uh, comment on that? Or maybe she's also deciding to, to decline to, to comment. Awesome. I think she's got the gist of that message. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, William. KGM in Santon. You get the drift now. We're very quick today. Santon. Good evening to you, Songezo, and to Mbali and the listeners. Yes, indeed. A, a quick one. 
there's been sort of a pattern in the Democratic Alliance when it comes to the, in in inverted commas, black leaders. You can start from Ndadej Jose Remani and come with them right up to, to you, Mbali. Do, do you think that there's a misunderstanding that we have generally as a society in understanding what the Democratic Alliance stands for? And you're talking to somebody who is apolitical, by the way. So I just want to understand from your perspective, if you are to have the same similar challenges as the Tesseramani generations to your generation, how do you tend to not do a Musi Maimani uh, um uh, what's what's the former mayor's name? Patricia Dillo. A Hemen Mashaba uh, type of a thing where it leaves people wanting. That, that's just my question. Fantastic. Appreciate that, KGM. All the best. Thank you. Let's go to KZN, Esho, Sandile. Good evening. I mean, Sakile. Uh, Sakile, Sakile, Sakile. Sakile. Sorry, man. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, Tumbali, uh, please ask, does she believe that the DA is a party for all South Africans? And number two, how do you think that the independent candidate will compete financially with political parties with regards to elections? Because elections are very expensive. Mm-hmm. Fantastic question. Thank you. Appreciate you. Babu Ngonde, good evening. Hello? Yes, sir. Go go for it, Babu Ngonde. Songhez? Yes, sir. Ngonde, um, you said from Rosenthal Rodents. I might beg to differ. I think they're called Rhodians. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm not surprised about Mbali's credentials of being a leader because at Rhodes, that's where leaders live. Right? Gosh, <laughs> and also, Songhezo, um, I know that in the National Mandela Metro, we're not doing very well. You know, as Lechania uh, says, the anatomy of ANC, it's not, it hasn't been a good picture. In Swane, Hamaskal has always been having a problem, even before the TA, Merapong, Apofong, something like that. In the short song, I'm interested in the local municipality or the third tier of government. What does Mali propose is to be done? Out of 257 municipalities, you know, I think two thirds of the 18 were DA controlled. I'm not interested in that. I'm concerned about the poor of the poorest in these two parishes. What does Bali propose is to be done? Fantastic. Good evening. A very good evening to you, Babu Ngond. And then final caller this evening, Dade Sekubela Tobakhale, calling us from Pretoria. You're the final caller. Evening. Thank you for, thanks for calling. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Songeza. And hi to Bali. Um, I think most of the things have been covered, but let, let me put it this way. Um, two issues are very, very close to my heart. It's the issue of um, uh, racism and sexism. What is her take on that? Um, can they be tackled at the same time if she becomes president? Uh, you know, can she tackle the two? Sexism and racism. And ah. Sexism and racism. And the second issue is about the excess, excess of, of black people, African people in the insurance industry. Um, as independents, as 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 as, as, as business people, um, do, what 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 do you think can be done? 
Fantastic. Appreciate your calls, everybody. Mm-hmm. We're going to not take any calls, particularly for this segment, because we do need to give Mbali an opportunity to engage some of her guests who will return. What I propose is this, Mbali. The time is now 2032. You've had six calls, so I'm going to give you until 2040. Please watch your time where you can respond as you will to Stembiso, William, KGM, Sakile, Babunonde, as well as Sex. Until 2040, the time is all yours. Thank you. So, um, Stembiso said that, you know, the DA was part of the National Party. It wasn't. But where I will agree with him is that perhaps we have not been doing enough to showcase what we are doing in Darwin, something, So you said the DA doesn't do enough to attract black young people. I agree. But I also agree that the DA doesn't do enough to attract young white people or young Indian people or young colored people. Because I think that, as I've said before, that we really are stuck in a paradigm where we are doing politics in the old way. And so we aren't getting this 12 million group of young people who could be voting potentially for the DA or any other party who have sort of checked out of politics because they don't believe in any of the political parties and we haven't done enough to reach out to them. But what I will disagree with you on is saying that the DA hasn't been able to penetrate those areas. I myself have worked in the Duduma, Guamash, where I started the first year branches. I've also worked in Kanyagude and Kaysen, which is a very rural constituency going all the way up to Mozambique, where I was able to actually make sure that the DA not only was able to get councils in each one of the each one of the municipalities in that district, but became major key holders or kingmakers in those municipalities. So it is possible. And what it really needs is for the community to trust you. And the only way the community trusts you is if you're there with them, if they see you working day and night with them and trying to address the issues. And as DAD, that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that we have a different strategy to how we engage these communities. And one of them is definitely by being there with them, rather than what we see typically in political parties, which is when they arrive before elections or just a little bit before elections um, in order to speak to people. I find it inauthentic, and I think any single person in South Africa does. It doesn't matter where they live. They know when somebody is about Margarita. So... What I'm trying to get the DA to do and to shift towards is something that I've seen working and something that I believe should be done by all political parties in any case. Obviously, I don't think that everyone in the ANC is corrupt. I have very many uh, good people or good friends in the DA, in the ANC that I think are doing great things in South Africa. But because of the nature of the way that their political party has been acting, I understand also why people seem to think that they are corrupt. In the same way that some people in our party say some silly things and then people think everyone in the DA is racist. It's just the unfortunate way, unfortunately, that um, politics is done. William, um, I can't speak for Steen Hazen, but I myself have been very, I think, um, frank and forthright about what I think of Helen's comments, not just from this last week, but comments that she's made before, whether it's been speaking about colonialism or any other things that I thought were beyond the pale um, and not necessary for a leader in her position to say. I say that unambiguously, and I stand by that. Um, I think that, you know, as um, people who have leadership roles in an organization like this, we have a responsibility for some of the things that we say, and I think that Helen has overstepped to mark on numerous occasions. Is she racist? That being, that being said, Is she, racist? she was... I, couldn't comment um, on that because I don't know whether some of the things that she says are 
for her to agitate and to start a conversation or whether she genuinely believes them. I think it's something that everyone's scratching their heads about in South Africa. KG, um, is there a misunderstanding in society about the DA? I think to some degree there is, but I also think that it's not incumbent on society to care what a political party is. It's the problem with a political party to get society to understand what it is. And that's why I was saying that I think we have to change the way that we do our messaging, our tone, and the way that we really um, approach people so that there isn't that misunderstanding. So for sure, I think that there are people who um, think things about the DA that aren't completely true. Three minutes. But at the same time, I think that, you know, the the responsibility is on the party. Sakide is the DA party of all. I think that it, it, it has been for a long time. I think that in the past few years, we've seen a bit of a wobbling day, and that's one of the reasons that I'm running. I, I want to bring it back to being a party that's trying to fight for everyone, who's trying to make sure that all South Africans are represented um, and can get a, a way to um, move forward. Um, I wasn't completely sure about the question about the municipalities, so I'm just going to skip that for now, except to say that, of course, I think that all municipalities should be catering for their poor and should have service delivery um, initiatives that look into that um, for sure. And I think that across the country that has not been the case. And I, I'm a cognizant person for cases in where we only got one municipality to get a clean audit. So this is a problem of us not having the expertise at the level that we do to actually get service delivery. And it's not that difficult that we continue to refuse to do that correctly. The only province I will say that has been able to get clean audits and deliver to some extent, although, again, not in, entirely in the way that um, it could, um, is the Democratic Alliance. And I will give my party that um, honor, but I think that there's also a lot of work for us to be done, particularly when it comes to spatial planning in places like Cape Town. Um, and then the last question was around racism and nationalism. I don't think it's for any one person to think that they can solve either of those two issues, but I think that if you can give everyone the ability to have dignity in their lives, particularly in terms of a job, then those kinds of issues become less impactful because you can be racist to me, but if I know that I have a job, my own house, my own ability to make it in the world, the racism just becomes a form of prejudice and that it, it doesn't impact me as much anymore. And that's what I would try to fight for as much as possible if I was given the reins of presidency, as you said. Um, and then in terms of the access in the insurance industry, I will be very honest to admit that I have no idea um, around anything to do with the insurance industry. But I think essentially that question is predicated on the larger social challenge that South Africa faces, economic more than social, is how do we ensure there is sufficient support for new entrants in previously white-dominated businesses? I think that's essentially what it is. Ah. And they don't come any more difficult than the financial services space. Well, that's a conversation that I think we have to definitely have um in South Africa. And as I was saying, that's one of the conversations that I want the Democratic Alliance to have because I think that one of the things that a black person certainly or a person of color certainly is aware of in this country is that I don't think that without legislation to try and get those industries to be fairer in terms of entrance, we would have the situation where we've had any um, entities that are black owned there. And I think certainly access must be something that's at the base point of that because I don't think anyone's trying to look for a hand out, but they really are trying to look for a hand up. And 
my personal belief is that people of color in this country are not entitled but are deserving of, uh, you know, some help in terms of getting into this industry that we have been previously denied. And I say that without um, also saying that, you know, people that may have been advantaged who are my age, who had nothing to do with what their forefathers had did in this country, uh, should be prejudiced. But it's not a question that can be answered in, you know, uh, 15 seconds that are left to have this conversation. But it's certainly something that I have said in the Democratic Alliance and right. asked the leadership we need to look at seriously. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much. 2040 on the dot. Appreciate that, Mbali. We're going to take an ad break now, and then this is where the real work starts. You will literally become the talk show host of SAFM Viewpoint, not with Songers of My Bed, but with you, Mbali Nduli, because this is Hashtag Tuesday Takeover. Your guest is all yours after this.